And welcome to Draw, Lose or Draw, a podcast covering all things Partick Thistle. And joining me to look back on Saturday's very exciting 3-2-1 over at United, Heather Holloway. Heather, how are you? Great, thank you. Glad to be on holiday celebrating a win and uh, just happy to be back on the podcast and talking about football. Good stuff. And David Forrest is here. David, apart from your, your cough, how are you doing? I I don't know whether you got my call, <laughs> uh, but I, I'm doing all right. I'm a bit under the weather, but I'm um, absolutely delighted to be talking about a festival. World. Absolutely, David. I'll, I'll start with you, and we'll start as we, we usually do with a look at the starting eleven. I suppose the big news was Ross Doherty missed a late fitness test, but other than that, we looked okay. I think we knew Scott Tiffany was going to be out. Kevin Holt maybe a surprise on the bench, but it was a. A pretty familiar looking 4-3-3. Not too many surprises. Were you quite happy with the starting 11 on Saturday? Yeah, apart from obviously Doc being out. I, I, I'd heard he'd got the flu or something like that, which maybe makes sense based on you know, the late fitness test or whatever. But um, yeah, apart from Doc being there, it was, it was pretty much the team you, you expected. Um, obviously no Tiffany there. And last season, that would have been an absolute killer for us. But we've got Lawless and Fitzpatrick who excelled at the start of the season. So I wasn't overtly concerned. Um, so no, absolutely, it was a perfectly fine lineup for me. Heather, what about you? Are you quite pleased on Saturday before the game? Yeah, I think I said in the podcast a little while ago that I thought it was a little bit of a shame for Ian Fitzpatrick that he wasn't getting a start. And and he had, and I thought he did really well on Saturday and it was really good to see him see him in there. I obviously, my best friend was not on the starting team and I felt sorry for him, but um, I thought it was brilliant to see that Fitzpatrick being there and, you know, putting a stamp on because obviously if, if Tiffany is coming back, Fitzpatrick wants to make it, the you know, the cliche, the headache for the manager. He wants to make it, a you know, a fight. And also we need everyone in the team to be contributing right now, not just depending on two or three players. I did think, though, and this is from talking to some of my friends who were at Cove, um, and also being at um, Morton as well and different things. I thought, I think Weston's been very good every time that he's come on and played. And I did think, oh, if Fitz is getting a goal, could it have been Weston getting a chance? But I'm sure his time will come. Um, but yeah, overall, really happy to, I just, it was just lovely to be back at Firhill and seeing Thistle. It just felt, it just felt great. I think with the subs Ian McCall made, I think Weston's probably next in line. I think he's maybe gone above. Cammy Smith in the pecking order, if you sort of look at the, the subs in recent weeks. And um, yeah, I think confidence is so important. We've spoke about uh, Jamie Snedden's confidence and giving him a run in the side. I think it's similar for Aidan Fitzpatrick. I think he's at his best if he gets a run in the side. So the, the worst thing, wouldn't surprise me, but the worst thing would be if he dropped out the team on Friday. We'll talk about Friday a bit later, but I thought Fitzpatrick was brilliant on uh, on Saturday. It was his, probably his best game since he came back. Um, David, what were your overall thoughts on the game on Saturday? Were we were they winners? Yeah, I would definitely say so. I mean, obviously, yeah, we're subject to the greatest refereeing conspiracy the world has ever seen um, on Saturday to lose. But apart from that, yeah, we we were really really good. We were we were trying stuff. We were just full of ideas. Just try to get away with things that we wouldn't normally. We were a wee bit audacious. I enjoyed Lawless. Um, and, and and Harry Milne as well. Um, I thought they were exceptional in terms of just trying to give us a, a, an extra dimension and um, even stuff like the we the, the to use FIFA pal and sweaty goals where you know you kind of cut it across from a couple of yards out to tap in the goalies you know completely cut adrift. We were doing that a couple of times. It didn't always work, but we were trying things and like. When you look back at that 5-6 game run where we lost every week, 
we had no ideas and we were trying nothing. So even though not all, not all the ideas were coming off, they were ideas and I was really happy about that. Yeah, I was really disappointed in how they played considering they are top of the league and meant to be flying at the moment. Akinyemi, for what, the second, third time this season, has just not really performed against us. He seems to perform against every other team apart from us. Obviously, he did get a goal, but I mean, even his goal, you know, it was a counter-attack on the break. Um, he broke through, and it was McKinnon who was trying to mark him and stop him. It's not his natural position, and he gave it a goal. Akinyemi got a, got a yarder space and just thought, fuck it, why not go for it, hit it, superb strike. Same with our second goal, you know, he saw an opening, took his chance, a cracking goal. Apart from that, there wasn't really too much about it um, that went Ayr's way, um, to be honest, and I, I just didn't really see them performing, certainly the way I would have expected them, but who cares, we beat them. Heather, do you agree? I think so, yeah. I think it was um, a really good performance. I was with a friend um, who hadn't been at the games for a little while and um, who isn't really a Thistle fan but enjoys coming along. And he said, you know, that first 10-minute spell before Akinyemi scored, we were brilliant and we created a lot of chances. And he was so impressed by how fast-flowing the football was and just how creative uh, we were playing. And I think we haven't played like that since the start of this season. So that was really good to see. Um, I think obviously it was extremely disappointing for those two goals to um, to be conceded. And But I guess sometimes you just have to stand back and applaud good goals. They were very good. And it's just a shame that that, that seems to be, you know, the thing that, that, that gets past us. Um, obviously, though, we... You know, we had a very good strike against us against Rave Rovers a few weeks ago. And then we crumbled after that. So it was good to see us not crumble and almost see a little bit of progression there. Um, I thought we played really well. I thought um, the, you know, as I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about him at some point. I thought Harry Milne was absolutely fantastic. He's just, he's a class above um, any player that, you know, that we've had. And, that, um, and I thought he was just absolutely brilliant because, you know, he defends, he attacks. He does it so well, and um, he also interviews extremely well. He just—he's just a great guy, uh, and I thought he played. He, I thought he was the difference, and um, and it was just really good to see. I thought it was um, obviously Fitzpatrick and Kyle Turner getting involved in a lot of the goals. I think this will just put out a stat there with the fact that you know the last three games at home for Kyle Turner, he scored one and assist and um, assisted five goals, which is absolutely fantastic. And I'd be interested to see how many assists he got in total last year and compare that to, you know, the start of this season. So, um, yeah, you know, a a really positive game. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't pretty at the end. I think we did sit back a little bit and let them come towards us. And that, you know, that free kick that they got in the 90, whatever, how many minutes added on, it felt like the World Cup, like 97th minute, um, you know, with that... um, what do you call it? The free kick that they had, I just thought, oh, here we go. This is going to be it. But, you know, overall, it was a really positive performance, I think. And it was good. I, th- yeah, I think McCall said it. There's quite a lot of really good individual performances. And we are a team that do depend on our individuals quite a lot. And it was good to see them all firing together. Yeah, I agree with that, Heather. I think we spoke a couple of weeks ago in the pod about how McCall gets out of the, the situation he's in. And I think we did speak about um, the need for good individual performances. I think we also mentioned the sort of need to go gung-ho, which I think you spoke about, David, uh, referencing Akinyemi's first goal where we did get caught on the counter. And it was McKinnon who was marking Akinyemi. And I thought it was a poor bit of play for McKinnon to, to let him inside and shoot. And that's maybe something that highlights the need for Doherty. And obviously they're very different midfielders and you can't be too critical on McKinnon. He's a young player. He's, he's more an attack-minded midfielder than a defensive midfielder. But I think that... the those little situations are where you miss a Doherty to allow the fullbacks to go forward. Having said that, though, with guys like Holton Doherty out, I'm glad we played the way we did, going gung-ho, pushing the fullbacks forward, um, not being too worried about what was going the other way. The bar in recent weeks probably has been really low, but I think that was the best performance on Saturday since, probably since we beat Morton 5-1 at Farhill at the start of October. It's been that long since we... We played well, and Ayr's two goals, as you've both said, were brilliant strikes, like a bit soft to allow 
the strikes to get off, but it, once the strikes off, there's there's nothing really you can do about it. They were brilliantly taking goals. Heather, you've mentioned Harry Milne. He was outstanding, deservedly man of the match. I'd like to give Darren Brownlee a shout out. Really, I try to think when. I think it was after the Queen's Park game, which was only a, a couple of months ago. I think all of us were sort of doubtful if he had a, a meaningful part to play at Firhill, especially in part of a, a back four. Maybe you could get away with protecting him in a back a back three slash five. But um, he's been absolutely terrific for, I'd say, a month now, maybe starting at Morton away. He was getting back. And then the their Broth game and the, the Kelty game, he was sort of easing himself back. But for the last month, I think he's... He's getting there to where we expect him to be, where he was in the League One winning campaign, and, and that's much needed, I'd say, because that centre-back is a has been an area of concern at, for extended periods this season, so it's really good to see him get back to somewhere near his best, so I think he deserves a lot of credit. David, you've got anything else to add? The only other thing I really wanted to mention is just, you know, Kyle Turner. Um, he was excellent yesterday. It was great to see him just have a total throwback to last year, his partnership with Kevin Holt. Just he just slotted Milne in that position. And <laughs> an absolute facsimile of the Holt goals we got from last season. Um he's been excellent. He's he's a player you can build a team around. He obviously struggled last season being the right hand side. I say he struggled, he was still the top assist leader in the in the league. Um but he has worked so hard and he, he brings so much to the team that I think he's definitely under the radar I think in terms of his contributions uh, I, I, I yeah I just really love him and I just love the atmosphere of you know everybody back for the first time since all the board nonsense came to a head you know there was a donations there was just a, a sense of positivity around the crowd everyone singing Christmas songs it was brilliant and um, yeah I just uh, well needed just going to add a bit on Kyle Turner, Heather, because you were mentioning about how many assists he's had. It was good. I thought we looked threatening from most of the corners on Saturday, which is, I, I think, where he, got most of, where he got most of his assists from last season. But the last few games where you've said he's sort of boosted his assist numbers, a lot of those assists have come from open play, which is also really good. That's maybe something he was lacking a bit last season, but I think he's He's having way more of an effect on games this season in open place. And he's another a good assist for, for Lawless for the third goal on Saturday. So I think that's positive as well. We'll move on. We're just going to have a quick chat about Ian McCall. Um, obviously, he's been under pressure in recent weeks. I don't think he's out of the woods yet. But we have spoken about how he's, he's very capable of capitalising on confident teams. He's good at man management. So how much time do you think that wins bought McCall, David? And do you think this sort of little unbeaten run we're on of, of four games is is going to sort of catapult us back to the form we were shown in the early weeks of the season? Well, you would hope so. But I mean, I was looking at the fixtures for January and looking at the table as well. And you look at the second, third, fourth, you've got Dundee, Queen's Park, then Morton. And then if you look at the fixtures in January, we have Queen's Park, Dundee, then Morton. It is a huge month for us. If we get nine at points out of nine from those games, you're right in there. And McCall had his dander up in the interview. He was talking about how they're not out of this and he still thinks he can win this. And clearly there's a bit of belief about him and the team that, yeah, we've had our setbacks and stuff like that, but we are by no means out of this. And, um, yeah, it's, it's weird to say whether it's bottom time because, realistically, all the stuff with the board has thrown a lot of smoke and mirrors and over the question, you know, would the old board have got rid of him? Do we, we don't know. Would, would the new board get rid of him? We don't know. It, it, it's difficult. I, I think the Cove game bought him time and he's been really lucky that that happened. Now that we've kind of got, we're in the process of this wee run of being undefeated and stuff like that, if we beat Inverness and go into January with, what, 4-5 games where we've won in a row we are going into those three games we can launch an assault in the title and you know we may end up faltering in the playoffs you know that's the nature of this so we don't know but I definitely think I, I don't see McCall going anytime soon and I do think that 
it's you know I I do think that we can do it. But ultimately, it comes down to January. That's the big one. Who you know? How do we do in those games? How do they do against other teams? By the end of January, we'll know where the lay of the land is, and it's going to be huge. I think January is a decisive month for for a number of reasons. Obviously, the fixtures we've got in January. You look at the the teams that are in and then around us, and I've been saying this sort of not. In, I don't think I've said it on the podcast, but I've definitely said it to most folk I've chatted to about this season. I think the standard in the championship this season is appalling. Like, I think it's such a bad league. And with the squad we've got, I think this is such a good chance to go up. Because you look at the teams that are up there, and I don't think Ayr were great on on Saturday. They've obviously ridden the, the Akinyemi way for the first few months of the season. But then you look at Morton, and that 5-1 game at Hill, they were really poor. Uh, Queen's Parker obviously played well in the two games against us, but I speak to Queen's Park. I've got a few mates that support Queen's Park, and they say when they play teams that sort of sit in against them, they're, they're just as bad as anybody else. Dundee haven't been great, but you look at Dundee and you think, will Dundee do similar to what Ross County have done in the past and spend big and go for the league? What will we do in January? I think what we do in January could be pretty key as well. So that sort of leads us into um, the next question I was going to ask, Heather, was where should we be strengthening in January? And are there any players you think might go out the other way, out the exit door at Firhill next month? Um, I think, I'm I'm assuming potentially someone like Danny Mullen will be wanting first team football, potentially would do quite well in League One, or even, you know, somewhere like Arbroath. You know, so I, I think he deserves to be playing games. And, um, but I just don't think he should, he just doesn't get into our, he doesn't get near our starting team right now. And I think it would be good, but because, I just I just thinking to myself that if Graham gets injured again, I am you know, Ian McCall was calling him an old boy uh, on the radio or wherever it was earlier this week. And I and obviously we do have Anton Dowds, but I do wonder if maybe strengthening there would be would be something good. I mean, I guess for the January transfer window, one of the biggest things for um in the championship is that someone goes and signs Akinyemi so that um the air no longer remain a threat because as you said, Matt, like they're whole setup is how how do we play him um I'm not sure actually where we strengthen because obviously we've had to ride the wave of these injuries and we've managed to somehow well I mean obviously we've not ridden the wave very well because we've had the kind of the terrible run but um I'm not sure I mean I, I would it just would it would be wrong of me not to say that I think Cammy Smith should go because I but I, again I think he deserves to play full um you know first team football and get a run of games and I think he needs that confidence and I think it would be good for us to have us to, to strengthen because when as you said when we don't have someone like Doherty tracking back and able to be the defensive midfielder um we you know depending on our attacking midfielders to do that is a big ask so maybe another defensive midfielder in case uh, Doc and Banzo are injured, or I'm assuming at some point Bannigan's going to be suspended. <laughs> so um, I do think that that might be that might be the case. But you know, with In Fitzpatrick coming out and playing like that on Saturday, and Lawless again scoring, yes, Tiffany being injured quite fre- frequently is a worry. But um, the fact that those two are playing well. Um, is a good sign. So I guess for me, it's a, a defensive midfielder and potentially another striker. That was Bannigan's ninth booking of the season on on Saturday. Can you imagine going on a on a podcast at the start of the season and saying he'd get under four bookings in the entire season? That would be a, a crazy thing to do. I'm glad none of us did that. Um, David, a, a lot of fans have spoken about the need for a sort of big Abdul Osman type midfielder sort of sitting at the, the base of midfield break and play up, protecting the back four. Um, even with Doherty looking like he's he's going to be available again soon, is that a position you think we should be targeting in January? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the, the I, I think definitely something to sort of show up the defence is, is definitely something needed. I, I certainly see, we, we talked about this sort of need for maybe for another centre-back, but and that was a couple of weeks ago, and again, you've seen Brownlee back to his best and stuff like that, so um, who knows? But I definitely think, certainly having someone on the sort of midfield who can break up plays and sort of just stifle everything a wee bit, 
is definitely a shout. I mean, you've seen, for example, again, going back to Akinyemi's goal, it was McKinnon who was against him. And as you said, he's more of an attacking sort of midfielder. And again, if you had a sort of big Osmini sort of guy there to stop that, does he necessarily score it? Who knows? It is, it is a, a piece of class for him to score the goal. But again, if somebody makes himself just a wee bit more in the way and makes him a bit less decisive, no, maybe that, that could have been stopped. So I definitely think that's a shout. I mean, we, we talked most of the season about how we've got four midfielders for a three-man midfield. Uh, you know, you've got Bannigan, Doc, Turner and McKinnon. I mean, McKinnon, we, we all heard the rumours of him getting his loan terminated and sent back to Rangers and going to Newcastle or whatever. I, I don't think that's necessarily going to happen now, but it's always the worry of Rangers could just turn around and snap their fingers and tell him he's coming back. But then you've had Turner come in and he's been great as well and stuff like that. But definitely he's a, a wee bit of security. And again, like Turner and McKinnon are more attacking midfielders. So it would be good to have a sort of counterbalance to that and having a more defensive one, especially, you know, Bannigan's presumably impending suspension <laughs> uh, for about 19 games for the amount of cards it's picked up. It would be the nice to have on, The one on Saturday was hilarious. It was slow, again. It was slow motion. Just the way that he just pulled him down. I thought I was going to pull his shorts down. <laughs> I I will say shockingly, and I, I know that the club listened to this podcast. I I just want to put it out there. You didn't put the Bannigan booking in the highlights, and I think that's a, that's a crime. It, that's that's Fissile heritage right there. It should be uh, front and center. It should be. I you know how they have like just the goals. It's just just the Banzo bookings. Just everyone. Uh, I would love. I, I know it's his testimonial. You had love a montage of. He mu- did we not do the quiz how many bookings he's had? He must be on about 75 by now. I'd, I would sit and watch however long that would take, like five, ten minutes to Did I tell you the about the fact together. at the, um, at his testimony, um, Hall of Fame dinner, it was booked or hooked. <laughs> and and that was it was like that was that was the game so you had to you had a card and you had to flip it either way if you th- so and then um michael max or oh, sorry, not michael, sorry brian welsh would read out and say like would read out a, a game a fixture in bannigan's uh, career and you had to vote whether he was booked or hooked As, oh that's was, such a good game it was brilliant um i you, you could probably ask brian welsh and see if you could bring it into the podcast because it was it was quite fun it was a quite a good a, a good wee, um, you know, people pleaser, icebreaker. Um, that was great. I got really close as well. I I got to the final five. Um, because you just keep to... on going, you keep on going with book, don't you? Like, uh, well, maybe need to contact Welsh if an offer in for the rights to that. And that does sound good. <laughs> I can hear Reese and Jamie just studying away um, in preparation <laughs> for this in the final. That, that, well, that could be the first final one. That. But now I've given it away. That could oh, be that. The I've not okay. yet written the quiz final, so if, if we get the, those rights secured, then um, that could be it. Can I just, I just say also that it was really funny hearing Air singing singing Sacked in the Morning. Oh, they went so early, didn't they? It, I, like, so so early. It's made it so good afterwards. <laughs> it's, not, it's not like Air fans to just wind up Fistle fans incessantly. Like, uh, you know, for example, just off the top of my head on the platform in Newton on Air Station after they could beat the Somerset Park. I mean, it's never going to come back to haunt you, is it? It's, it's just, you know, it's completely bulletproof. But, but I do love the idea of, like, uh, you know, that messy all 671 goals for Barcelona video that's kicking about. If you just yep. do that for Bannigan, that would be exactly. excellent. Exactly. So if any club media uh, are listening, uh, that's what we're after. Please and thank you. Uh, just one more point I want to make on January business. Um, I w- it wouldn't surprise me if Tunji Akinola left. I think that would be sad. I-, I think we're all sad at how the last sort of year, really, since he got sent off against Airdrie's gone for him. I think he might need a change of scenery and that might lead to a new centre-back coming in, which I don't think would be a bad thing because I think Muirhead has been sort of nursing a bit of an injury. Obviously, we don't know what Holt's going to be like when we get back. And as good as Brownlee's been, um, you don't want to sort of be relying on Darren Brownlee. So it could be a, an Akinola out new centre-back. And, but I, I wouldn't be sad if we signed a, a holding midfielder either, just to sort of add to the balance of midfield. We face Inverness at Firhill on Friday night. Heather, what sort of game are you expecting? And are you expecting any changes to the starting eleven? I'd be really happy with the with the starting eleven. Obviously, with Doc failing that late fitness test, I don't know if he is available on Friday. If we do put him in, because 
I think potentially putting him in instead of Cole McKinnon could be a solution to putting a stop um, to, you know, uh, def- um, strikers and attacking midfielders running through our our defensive line quite easily. Um, but I wouldn't be disappointed to see the same starting eleven that we had on Saturday. I thought in Fitzpatrick, and I think in Fitzpatrick's done enough to earn his his spot and and keep it for now. Um, so hopefully they have a good week in training. I think I mean whenever we play Inverness, it's it's a really exciting game. It's probably one of the best games that you know that we that we play. I'm sure you talked about this last time. We haven't played them on a Saturday at 3 p.m. for so long. No. So, you know, um, and also and we've done quite well with the Friday fixtures on TV with them. You know, they're always they're always a good battle. I think them seeing the fact that we've beat air as a good as a really good sign. I wouldn't have liked to play Inverness when we were in our um, in our slump. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have enjoyed that at all. But I do think we go into this with confidence and the fact that we're at Fur Hill. Um, I also doubt they'll have many fans at all there with just with the time of year that it is and it being on a Friday night just before Christmas. So um, I'm not sure if that will if that will help or not. But um, no, I'm excited for it. Um, I do think they're one, they're probably our, one of our biggest competitions this season. David, what about you? Quite happy with a, an unchanged starting eleven? Would Doc get back in for you? Um, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where, like, I think you could go either way with it, couldn't you? I mean, there's pros and cons to it. You know, if you play Doc, obviously, he brings that sort of defensive presence that we maybe lacked without him. But as well as that, at the same time, you know, this is our last game of the year. It's another, what, 10 days off after this. Is it worth risking him in a game that's sort of in the freezing cold December? Um to, you know, maybe aggravate an injury or whatever, as it might be worth just giving them the Christmas off and getting them back fully fit next time. You've got people at home and stuff like that coming in. You don't really want to be rolling the dice um, and potentially aggravating an injury for someone like Doc when if you just waited until the Queen's Park game, him and Holton, all that might be, you know, back in form. Um, to be honest, I'd probably go with uh, getting Doc in uh, for the game. I think he'll definitely... He'll definitely add something to the team and he'll be right up for it. I think it's going to be a great game. I think it's going to be a great atmosphere in the crowd. Lots of people there. It's a Friday night before Christmas. People out having a a festive pint or two. Well-oiled. You know, everybody's finished work for Christmas. I think it's going to be a great atmosphere and I think, you know, I think I think it's going to be really fun to watch. First of all, when games usually are. And yeah, I think it's going to be a great game. I'd I'd probably keep the same starting eleven apart from Doc. I'd probably bring Doc in instead of McKinnon, but I would not be aggrieved if McKinnon was in there instead of him. I'm just remembering that the last time we played Inverness was when we got the red card with Kyle Turner, and that was so unfortunate. And we really didn't des- like we we didn't deserve to lose that game the way that we played. And I do think that if we'd had eleven v eleven, we would have at least got a point there. So I do think we've almost got a point to prove. I also think that Kyle Turner should have a little bit of fire in his belly from that, you know, making sure that he doesn't do obviously what he did last time, but, it, you know, pays back the Thistle fans for that from last time. I think that's a good point about Turner especially. I think it's it's might actually, <laughs> you say things like this on a, a, a recording and it always comes back to bite you, but this could be a good time to play Inverness. I still think they're struggling with a, a bit of an injury crisis similar to what we had a few weeks ago. Um, I don't think they've had a game in a couple of weeks either and we've, we're on the back of a little mini run we're on. We've scored three goals in each of our last three home games in the league. Uh, we've got a, a lot of players high on confidence for the first time in a couple of months. You look at uh, Harry Milne, Kyle Turner, Ryan Graham, Aidan Fitzpatrick, Lawless, those guys sort of look like they're getting back to their best. Um, so we, we might have caught this fixture at a good time. As you've said, David, it's it's the last game before Christmas. It's a Friday night. Um, it should be a pretty good atmosphere on the home end at Hill. I'll kick us off with predictions this week since I slipped behind in the predictions table. I believe Reese has gone a point ahead with a correct score from, from Saturday ahead of David and Jamie, and I predicted a draw, so I'm now a point behind David and Jamie and two behind Reese. Uh, I'll go 3-1 Thistle on on Saturday. I agree if Docker is fit, I think you put him in. I think there's probably still a question mark if he is fit. 
Um, and I still think we'll play a similarly attacking game and that might cost us a goal. But I fancy us to con- continue the, the run of scoring a few at for Hill. So I'll go 3-1 Thistle. David? I'm going bold here. As Reese once said, uh, no point in getting scalps by sitting in the fence. I think we're going to go in for a 5 win, 5-1. We're absolutely hammering them. They've no players. They had to put out a statement a couple of weeks ago saying to all their fans if they were going to the Hamilton game, they were basically going to play school children, so don't bother going. They're a shambles. We are good at for how. We are still basking in the glow of liberation. You know, everyone's loving football at Fur Hill at the moment. Pre-Christmas, couple of pints, maybe a wee bit of mulled wine, everybody will be jolly. Christmas songs in every stand. What time to be alive. We are winning this 5-1. Blimey. Heather, you top 5-1. <laughs> oh, well, I did say that now I was just going to go for wild scores since I'm not in the tally, didn't I? Yeah. Right, six three. <laughs> That's the thistle. Oh, is it party thistle? <laughs> I'd take a six three right now. I'd bite your hand off for six three. Maybe it'll be like um, what do you call it? In Bathy, one of the Inverness players will score a hat trick, but still not be in this on the winning side. Oh my god! <laughs> it's a Christmas miracle, Matt. I can't. I can't believe it. It's incredible. We are like we're still not very good. I know we played well on Saturday, but we haven't been very like good that. for two months. No, can I just that, say that if I was facts. actually in the, if I was actually in it, I would be, I would be doing two one. But well, since my my scores don't count, I just like to go for a wee, a wee wild one. I really hope nobody from Inverness is listening to this. Uh, well, we'll move on uh, for a bit of World Cup chat. We had a listener, again, apologies for no episode last week, but we, we really couldn't find it, any inner strength to record with a three-week um, It was very much laziness, laziness on our part. But we do have a listener question. Uh, EP asks, what is your favourite England tournament exit? Uh, any any, you want to come in on a, a favourite tournament exit from, from England? It's a sensational question. Uh, I thought a lot about this. It's I mean, there's so many ways you could go with this. It's just, they just keep punting out the hits. Everyone, a banger every time, every tournament exit. I really enjoyed the Euro 2020 final because they they thought they were going to win it. Everyone in Scotland was terrified. And then they fucked it, and it was great. I I really enjoyed that one. As well as that, I, I want to give a shout out to this year's exit because it was frankly... A night to remember in months for the Jags Foundation Christmas Day out um, with everyone um, enjoying a libation or two, watch is singing Thistle songs at the telly, like when Darren Brown asked you to put your hand in the TV to kind of create energy. Um, everyone singing Royal Army, a team who categorically play in blue, and I don't think I've ever played in red or yellow. Um, that was that was a very memorable night, especially when Harry came missed a penalty and someone had bits and pieces queued up for the second throw over the bar and everyone was dancing away. That was smashing. But my all-time favourite has to be uh, the one and only World Cup 2018 against Croatia. Two reasons. My family were on holiday in England and they went to some sort of B&B with like an adjacent, very English pub bedecked in St George's Crosses and stuff like that to watch the game they were the only non-English people in there and they lost the run of themselves when England got put out um, as you should and as I would if I was in that situation as well that was wonderful I spent the night in Boteco um, ordering double rums and coke because you had to pay a £5 minimum and I was an idiot it's the most drunk I've ever been in my life I was absolutely melted. I was so drunk and hungover that I missed five days of work um, because I was so sick that I burnt my throat and couldn't speak or eat for four days. So I'd go back and do it again. It was wonderful. What a night. Um, yeah, just yeah, they just keep hit, bringing out the hits and long may it continue. Hello, how about you? I have really good memories of watching the Frank Lampard goal, the disallowed goal that they still bring up to this day and what could have been. So I think 2010 for me is, that's quite a special one, the Germany game. So 
Um, I think that was one of the like the World Cups I really it's one of the first ones I fully remember watching every game and doing a sweepstake with my with my family and things like that and getting really into it. So um, I think I'm sure that's I'm sure that's one where my dad also had Ecuador in the in the sweepstake at work and we got really into it. Ecuador flags were made and everything like that. Um, but I I think the the disallowed goal with uh, Frank Lampard and just seeing how angry they were was brilliant. Um, and the fact 100%. they constantly talk about it now with far. I'm 100% with you, Heather. I'm hoping David can work his magic and maybe edit a bit of the commentary in. But I watched the highlights of that game a couple of weeks ago. See when Lampard's goal goes in. They they think it's in. See when they watch the replay. Just the groan when they see the ball, like a metre over the line. It is absolutely beautiful. Milner. Defoe. That's a lovely touch. Lampard! Watch this, Lise. You can actually pinpoint the second when his heart rips in half. Let's begin. Here we go. And now. Oh, it's so far in. Was it FIFA don't want? Technology. Thanks very much, Seth Potter. Well, I hope he's here. I hope he's squirming in his seat, by the way. Look at that. He knew he was in. We knew he was in. I know a bit. Mark Horrison goes on a rant about Seth Blatter. He goes, "Thank you, Seth Blatter." It's incredible stuff. I really hope you can get that, in, David. It's, it's great. I will, anyway. I will definitely be doing that. So, uh, congratulations to to Lionel Messi for for cementing his top three status of all time next to uh, Diego Maradona and Chris Dillon. I was I was loving all of that chat yesterday on Twitter when it was like the only person more deserving of a um of a World Cup medal is Chris Dillon. But it's true. He's it's, just it's such 100% a big guy. True. Did you also see Jason Cummings uh Instagram? <laughs> it was so funny. <laughs> don't play the game, don't play the occasion. <laughs> oh. uh, we'll have a chat now about some of the off field news. Um, Heather, since you've last been on, there's been a, a sort of series of resignations in the board. Uh, the Jags Foundation and the Jags Trust are now collaborating together. There's a working group. Uh, what does that mean going forward um, for you, for the, the Jags Foundation, for the Trust? And how can fans continue to, to get involved and play their part? Firstly, it's just really, um, it's it's absolutely wild the fact that last time we spoke to you, what we were talking about and the different things and what we were saying and just how much has changed in the last few days, weeks. Um, and, you know, firstly, it's just a massive thank you to all our members and for, I mean, and non-members too, people who've just been so open and honest and talking to us as foundation people and being very supportive. It's been quite a, it's been quite a tough year. Um, if I'm really honest with it all. And, um, and just, the the night that we had or the day that we had uh, last Saturday with people from the Jags Foundation and other Thistle fans was absolutely fantastic and it was just so nice to be so positive around Thistle fans again and um, long may that continue. Firstly, it's so I'm so happy to say that obviously for the um, the club interim board that Caroline Mackey is representing the Jags Foundation on there, there's no one better. She is absolutely fantastic. Obviously. Um, done so much work with the women's team also was part of TGF1 board and um, I think that's a really positive step it's also I mean it's been really positive I know for many fans to hear the fact that we have been fully transparent and meeting with and collaborating and working with the trust we were sponsoring the John Lambie stand on Saturday along with the trust and um, obviously have made our donation towards um, Jazz for Good with our with our latest pin, which is really exciting. Um, you know, it's 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 really great to to hear about the working group as well. There's some absolutely fantastic people on there uh, who are, you know, so party so focused and looking towards the best way that we can make this a club for you know for the fans and uh, and what we've you know what we've promised to do all along. So um there's some fantastic people on there. But I I would also say, you know, just because 
there's certain people on there it's not that other people can't have their say and the Jags Foundation and the trust are there for people to talk to to listen to and to to share their views going forward I think obviously we're wanting to fill Fort Hill and have as I know a lot of a few people were back on Saturday who haven't been there for a very long time and um it was just fantastic to welcome them back and obviously on top of that with a win um just encouraging people to support the team back the team in any way possible we are extremely close we've got over 960 members uh, last time I asked Graham Cowie but um, we're so close to a thousand and that would be absolutely sensational uh, to get towards for um, the start of 2023. Um, It's just a it's a really I think it's a really great time to be a Thistle fan a great time to be part of TGF and long may the positive things continue you know I think David touched on earlier about the about how wonderful the turnout was for the jugs for good things on Saturday and that is just such a fantastic thing to have to fo- to, to be able to focus on right now and um I th- you know I know that Neil Drain was on Sports Sound last week speaking and I just think it's great to also be hearing from the trust and you know get um getting to know them better and just seeing how we can move forward um on this great journey that we're on with Thistle. No absolutely um as an outsider looking in, I'm a member of the Jags Foundation, but uh, no involvement other than that. It's great to see, I'd say, both fan organisations pulling in the same direction. I think that's that's really positive and, and good to see. And I'm glad you mentioned uh, Jags for good there, Heather. I think they deserve a shout-out um, for their great work on Saturday with uh, running the drive for donations for the Baby Food Bank. Uh, if you don't already, make sure you follow Jags for good on, on Twitter and, and help them out if, if you can. Matt, can I also add there the fact that um the 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 Jags Foundation and the PTFC Trust uh, have given uh I think it's twenty five tickets for the Inverness game for people who currently at this time can't afford or coming to this a football game is maybe a uh, expense they can they can't have right now. So if there's people who if that applies to them or people that they know to get in touch with Jags for Good because that is there. There was some on Saturday and then there's some again on Friday. So um, if that applies to you or someone, just to get in touch. Thanks, Heather. That's a, a really good initiative as well. Yeah, just wanted to add in a little bit just because you uh, know no, this has been the first episode we've done since everything happened. It was you know such a shock on the Wednesday when it all came out. I mean, to put it in perspective, I was speaking to a Clyde Bank fan on the day of the Argentina-Poland game. Shows you, it wasn't that long ago, what, about two or three weeks ago? I think it was Wednesday before Cove. I was talking to a Clyde Bank fan. Obviously, Clyde Bank went for their own ownership troubles for a while, and they are a fan-owned club, and he is one of the sort of board members at Clyde Bank. He's, you know, quite well-connected and high up within the infrastructure in Clyde Bank just talking about how it's going with Fissel and I was very doom and gloom and talking about how it just didn't feel there was going to be any movement whatsoever and you know we were going to stop with this and we didn't know what the next moves are going to be and literally in the, the two or three weeks since I've seen them this has all happened and it's yeah everybody was obviously really delighted um, and yeah I, I think it's just I mean you look at their track record since then the stuff that they're doing you know, the baby food drive, the donations, um, the, you know, donating a teddy bear. I talked on Twitter about how it was a very special thing for myself, the idea of giving someone, you know, um, a teddy bear for the Christmas, the first one. It's something close to uh, to my heart. My my wife kept giving one her first Christmas and she still has it. It's her prized possession. So any sort of donations that were made you, you don't realize the impact it will have I, you know there will, there will be someone out there in like 30 odd years who still has one and still you know clings on to it so it's it's a fantastic thing and even just the stuff like the you know the the, the tickets been given out you know my my friends um are struggling at the moment um financially and they were able to give uh, give him a ticket for the Inverness game um it just it just shows you that you know we talk you know, we'd had this sort of farrago with fan ownership for so long, and we know people at loggerheads and things like that, and you know claims of divisiveness and you know just wanting to get back to football and 
the thing is, is that what we have got back to the football, people are coming back, they're back in the team, they're being loud, and it's it's a far more positive atmosphere, and it's it's just really great. It's an exciting time to be at Hill, to be honest, at the moment, um, just with everything that's going on, and seeing like the working group, you know, the people that are involved, you know, you've got PTFC Trust, you've got the Jags Foundation, and I mean, what are you turn the PTFC Trust have done in terms of you know, um, public image over the last couple of weeks. Um, they've they've shown great great faith. Um, you know, in bringing the Jags Foundation into the process, and you've got people. You know, like for example, like Jack Carson. I think everybody who listens to this podcast has probably met Jack Carson at one point. He's a great guy, and clearly thistle to the core. You know. It's people like him, Steve McDowell-Lang, who's part of the Proud Jags, um, Neil Cowan, Jags are good, also on the board, and um, and even people like Caroline Mackey as well, who raised, what was it, 80, 90 grand, something like that, for uh, the club um, during COVID. These are people with who quite clearly have thistle at their, at their heart and want to do the best for the club, and having it being chaired by someone from the Foundation of Hearts as well, is great. It's not just an echo chamber of Thistle fans. Um, it's people wanting to do the best for the club and doing it right, not just the way that they think, but getting outside clarification and working with other people to make sure it is the the right model for us. And I, again, it's just a really encouraging time, and I've I've been absolutely delighted in the last two weeks just watching everything that's coming out of the club at the moment. It's it's, it's a wonderful. Uh, turnabout and yeah it's just really heartwarming seeing everything going on at the club at the moment but I would like to take this opportunity to heartily apologise to that poor Clybank fan who ended up with me at some sort of wine and nibbles reception and had to listen to me drunkenly rant on about PTFC Trust and the Jags Foundation and the board and everything that was going wrong at length uh, when you could have been talking to someone else instead a complete waste of time for everyone involved. Um, it's all meaningless now, but you know, I, I, I will sacrifice a half hour's worth of mine and your time to get this result. Yep. Well, I, I do think that some people who were at the um, EGM for the Jags Foundation, or if you watch the the extremely long YouTube video, which you can which you can do at your own uh, discretion, there, um, you know, a lot of people were particularly interested and really um, impressed by the people who came that we had the people and um, we had some people from hearts and we also had people from St Mirren and I think for a lot of people that cemented it for them not just oh it's just some Thistle fans talking about this and taking you know this idea from this and they don't like this person it's going to work like that but I think hearing it from another club and hearing it how it works and like just the kind of the nuts and bolts but also the fact that there was the things that they spoke about during um during that meeting a lot of Thistle fans could relate to oh we've got that and we could do that so I think that having the influence of a of a um you know of a team of people or a in the person who's chairing who obviously has got that direct experience I mean that's incomparable uh, it's good to see that M8 alliance still going strong I would say there's also there's a meeting on Tuesday um, I'm not sure when this pod's coming out, but um, so you know, n- nothing, no one's standing still. Uh, we're continuing to move forward, and um, and we're just hoping for some positive outcomes over the next few weeks and months. Um, we will finish with Partridge Thistle, and this will be quite the tonal shift from the last ten minutes. Uh, I'm going to ask you if you had to be killed by an animal, what animal would you choose, David? See, coming into this, I thought long and hard about this, and I had a, I had a decision. I knew exactly what I wanted to go for, and then I kind of got us into my own head a wee bit. And my problem was, is that I am assuming, Matt, that you chose this question based on your Twitter poll earlier. Uh, would you rather be stung by a stingray or eaten by a shark? Is that right? Yeah. When I'm out, I'm just obsessed. Like, see if there's a science, I've just picked two animals and see if, like, who would you rather fight? That's sort of, like, that's my sort of go to if it gets if it's an awkward silence animal violence just yeah. it cuts the silence um yeah exactly uh, um so uh, so uh, well the reason i bring this up is that when you put that up my 
my response was I'd rather beaten by a shark because at least something's getting its dinner. However, my choice before was when I was a kid, I was obsessed with kangaroos, love them, a, a majestic beast. Um, also famous for being able to absolutely clock you one. And people who know me personally may know I'm a big fan of combat sports, so stuff like wrestling, boxing and MMA. But when it comes to like boxing and MMA, I'm not one of these... You know, watching the lightweights, great technical ability, you know, chess games, all that sort of nonsense. I like watching big lads knock the fuck out each other and spark each other out. Because that's a bit of heavyweight boxing and indeed MMA is that when you're watching it, one shot can end it. It doesn't matter who it is, doesn't matter how good your chin is, how big good your punch is. If you get a one lucky punch and you clock them in the right place to the right force... They're down, they're out, that's you, one. And you don't really get it in the lighter weight swimmer. And that's why I thought the kangaroo, because a kangaroo could clock me out, absolutely leather me, one goal, boom, ring the bell, you know, your new champion of the animal kingdom, the kangaroo, I'm done. And there's nothing more satisfying than watching like compilations of grizzly knockouts and like boxing and MMA and stuff like that and I, I think it would be an honour for me to be included in one of those sort of things as being absolutely sparked out by a kangaroo but kangaroos not really carnivorous wouldn't eat me a bit of a waste of a dinner so my head says shark my head says I still go with a shark because again at least to be getting a dinner um, although I'm not the meatiest of people in the world so you're not really getting much out of me so my heart says kangaroo sparked out by a kangaroo david thank you for giving this question the respect it deserved i appreciate your your work <laughs> i knew david would go first and have some sort of elaborate answer and um, i have to say that i did do a little bit of research in the sense of i looked up the deadliest animals and then decided which one would be like the least feeble like to be killed you know like the one like oh my goodness she died by that like you know or that's like that's embarrassing or or like who gets killed by that apparently elephants are responsible for 500 deaths a year from and it says 500 people a year are killed in elephant attacks so i'm not really sure about that stat but i feel like being killed by an elephant could be quite a claim to fame um so um i think and i you know like a, and I feel like because they're such big creatures etc like that'd be like one swoop and you're gone like you're not like thriving in pain or like struggling like that's just like boof you're done and I think I'd prefer that than a like a slow um painful death so I'm gonna go with being struck by an elephant in an elephant attack that's fair I think you've got to consider like the reputation of the animal like if you get eaten by a shark folk in that area will go mental and try and catch the shark and then the, the, there'll be negative connotations uh, for the sharks you've got i, I like it heather because I, I think if you get killed by an elephant i think elephants have a fairly good reputation um yeah we all that. love them you know they were in um like they've got a nice place in the jungle book and um you know and they're in the circle of life in the lion king it's it would still be you know it, it would still be fine yeah yeah i think i, I think i'd go alligator because again, I think that would build up pretty quickly. They'd probably like decapitate you in one go, as David said. You would get, you would get eaten. Um, somebody's getting their dinner, and uh, I don't think that would negatively affect the the reputation of alligators. I think folks stay well clear of them anyway. So that would be my answer. I like, yeah. I like, I like your idea that um, you know, you have to reputation of the animal as if like if you get killed by like I don't know. Uh, like the one that's something it's like some sort of like Stenhouse mayor beating Aberdeen in the Scottish <laughs> Cup. Like, imagine them like the president of the 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 one that's rubbing his hands in the <laughs> of a big cup tie in the next round or something like that. <laughs> well, there'd be nothing worse than like, say you go to like a zoo and you get killed by like the monkeys or something. They'd kill all the monkeys like that. You don't want your death to be the cause of more pain. So you've got to go for something that's. But it's going to be it's going to be survive your death as well so uh, this is just so good <laughs> i think one i think one podcast you should just do a full one 
of Partridge's Thistle. Just to, <laughs> we get if very... only we'd had a week off, <laughs> nah, no, we could have maybe I'm... done it. In... <laughs> we get very uh, little listener feedback. One of the more uh, extensive bits of listener feedback we had ended with, uh, and the last thing, Partridge Thistle, just bin that. Don't think anybody stays on for that. So like, this is basically a license just to talk pish at this point. I can cat. I can categorically... Is most definitely not the case because I know Connor, um, uh, my friend who I invaded the pitch for, he's he's brought up to me on at least one more occasion. He'll tell me his Partridge Thistle answer and Dundee for the Dundee game. <laughs> they said I got off the train. He was having a fag outside the station. He goes, by the way, question: I'd have chosen this song. Um, I was like, what, I was something like, what, what was the song you'd play at your funeral? Stupid <laughs> like that. He's like, I definitely would have went for that. The first thing he said to me before: Ooh. Hello, David. I know, but no, it's, I think about my funeral song way, 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 way too much. I don't think uh, I've asked the funeral song one. Uh, that'll be next week's. That'll be, you've got a week to prepare. Um, right, if you have made it this far. I mean, if it's not focused, then who are you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I, David was at my wedding. I had the wild, the, the pre-ceremony playlist at my wedding was the only thing I had like 100% control over. I played some fucking wild shit. I had like the Champions League music on like the theme tune to Dexter, <laughs> local hero, shit like that. And folk were just turning like, is that like Zed cars? And I was like, yep. Please <laughs> <laughs> you had like the masters, like, you know, like the drive up the road, like the masters. Ah, <laughs> oh, that would have been a good I didn't have that sadly. That would have been a good one. Um if I you have managed to get if you have managed to get this far into the podcast, please do let us know your partridge this answer. What animal would you like to be killed by? Uh, you can get in touch on on Twitter or Facebook. Uh, let us know that people have actually made it this far. I would like to see how Jamie could have turned this into a Doctor Who answer. That would. <laughs> Um, thank you for listening to Draw, Lose or Draw. We will be back next week to look back on our game against Inverness and to preview the trip to Queen's Park. In the meantime, stay safe and have a Merry Christmas. Bye.